Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Here's a little snippet by one of the authors from the anthology. My name is Sarah McCall. I am so happy to have contributed to Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, which is the funniest title ever. My essay is called The Circular Breast, and what I really don't have time for is finishing books I don't love. I used to feel a sense of duty, but now if I don't love it, I let it go. Chris Klink is the author of Sissy Klein is Completely Normal. Chris is the, also the author of Goodbye, Lark, Lovejoy, which received praise from Bustle, Midwest, Book Review, Kirkus Review, Women.com, Lone Star Literary, Brit & Co., Travel and Leisure Magazine, and Entertainment Weekly, among others, for both books. She's a member of the Women Fictures Writers Association and the Authors Guild. Before becoming a novelist, she oversaw business development in medical environments and managed an office of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Since then, her work has been published in Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium, Thank You Very Much, DIY MFA, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Women Writers, Women's Books, and Accent West Magazine. She's the host of Chris Klink's Writing Table, a podcast about books and writing where she interviews a variety of publishing professionals and authors, from Lemony Snicket, Daniel Handler, to Camille Pagan. And by the way, also me, if you want to listen to my episode on her amazing podcast. Calling, the, and again, that was called Chris Klink's Writing Table, if you want to listen to our episode. Calling the Texas Panhandle home for most of her life, Chris now lives in Kansas. She and her husband have filled their empty nest with two spoiled rotten pups. When not writing, Chris is playing pickleball with friends or searching for an open karaoke mic and an understanding audience. Everybody is playing pickleball, except for me. I don't know. Anyway, enjoy. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Sissy Klein is completely normal. I mean, is anybody completely normal? Come on. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that's kind of the point. It's like, yeah. what, is, what is normal? But I'm going to jump, jump ahead of you real quick and tell you congratulations on your new anthology release. Thank you. I'm Thanks so much. For you. You're just, you are a powerhouse. You're doing great stuff for us. And oh, great stuff for writers. So anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to jump in, but 
Had to no, tell you. that's really sweet. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited. Awesome. Wait, so tell me what is Sissy Klein is completely normal about? Tell listeners what it's about and also what inspired you to write it. It is about a, a character that was in my first book that was just a very quiet character. She was only in two scenes. And she was married to this guy that was noxious. And I started to write the second book and went, I was going to write about about one of the more obvious characters. And I just kept going back to Sissy and going, what is that guy's wife like? What got her there? You know, how did this seeming, you know, her dad is this big attorney in town. Her mom is kind of a little bit of a Pollyanna, but, but very socially conscious and, and dad's golfing at the club and mom's playing tennis. And so how did she land within this, in this space? And so that's kind of how I got there. I just kept hearing this whisper of, but wait, what about Sissy? What's her story? And it was that quiet, that quiet story that I really didn't think it would have traction. I really, I started writing, I was like, okay, am I, am I just playing around here? And, and it ended up really taking off. And I found that, you know, we've all seen those couples where we say, what, why is she with him? Or why is he with her? And it's never simple. And so, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he doesn't treat her good. Why doesn't she, you know, leave? And so, you know, there's reasons. I mean, it's comp- relationships are so complicated. And so digging into that, kind of doing this character dissection really showed me that everybody has a story. And whether they're big or small, I mean, it's kind of like your anthologies. I mean, there are these little snippets into people's lives, but I think it's so important that we tell those stories because readers will see a little thread of themselves and maybe it's that thread that made them feel ashamed and they see somebody else doing something else with it. And it could be, you know, the the door that opens right there to to motivate them and know that they're not alone. And so I, I started writing this about Sissy kind of like this in the first book, Lark thinks that she might've been abused. There might be some domestic abuse. And so that's kind of where I was going, but it was so much more complicated than that. And it it really went back to, you know, when you're 16 years old, you're kind of living life day by day and you think you're bulletproof and you're not really thinking, most of us aren't thinking ahead of what's going to happen and, you know, what, what could happen? What are the effects of these little decisions I make, you know, one night going to play with my friends, you know, what is that going to do? And so that one night changed Sissy's life. And so that's, that's where we start with Sissy. Wow. And I love that you start the book by talking about people who grow at different heights and how there's like, how they become like, what, what did you say? Peanut butter and jelly or something like that. Like some, cause I felt like when I was growing up, that was something that kept happening to me because I just like, I never got tall. <laughs> like, and so I had friends who got just super duper tall. Anyway, I related to that, but anyway. Well, in, in Sissy's case, getting tall, it was kind of an irony because she's tall and the guy she marries doesn't want her to be tall. So she has to wear flats throughout her marriage. And, and it, it kind of goes back to, you know, she's being formed basically by everybody else until this tragedy happens. And that's when she gets to bust out and be, you know, her authentic self that she's been kind of growing this whole time. Oh my gosh. So where did, so when you started the beginning of the series and that was goodbye, Lark, Love, Love Joy, Joy, what like, where did that come from in your life, in your professional life? Like, how did you get started? Like, tell me the whole story. Well, I just, I had a, I had a friend, I lost a friend to ALS 
and she was young and I, you know, I had her, you know, that, those things, when they happen, when you're young, that's not supposed to happen when another mom, you know, another mom with kids your age, ha- that happens. And so ALS was kind of at the core of that. I knew I wanted that to be part of the book. And, and I'd gone down to South Texas to, we were in San Antonio and we went to the green, the green dance hall, which is one of the oldest dance halls in the country. And it was a dance hall that, you know, we walked in at like two in the afternoon because one of our older children was like, you have to go in there. You have to see this. And when I walked in, the floorboards bent under my feet. And I told my husband, I don't know what the book is going to be about, but when I write it, some of it's going to happen here because you just kind of felt like this, this low hum of people that had been there before. And I mean, it's, it goes back, you know, a hundred years. And so it was just, that's kind of where it started that, that community, that small community with, that has a little bit of a big spotlight on it because of all the people that come through there. And so it it was really, it started there. And then, you know, I I went through Lark's life and and basically Lark was, came back to her hometown after she's lost her husband to ALS. And she's not the Little Miss Sunshine life on a cracker that she was when she left. And so that's kind of where, where Lark takes off. And when she meet Sissy's husband. Sissy's husband, they're separated. Sissy and her husband are separated. And he has a crush. He has an unrequited crush from high school. And he thinks, this is great. We're going to get back together. And of course, Lark doesn't want anything to do with them. And she really, she had worked as a pro bono attorney in domestic violence shelter in, in Houston before she moved back. And she recognized something in Sissy that wasn't right. There was just something that she was beaten down and and I think we find out it's more emotionally, but, but, you know, emotional abuse is abuse no matter what. So anyway, that's kind of where it came from. But what, and what about the writing? Like, did you start writing when you were a kid? Like, when did you know oh, you wanted I, to write? I knew I wanted to write when I was really young. I mean, I, I it's funny because I bought this book, a used book that when people ask me what, like, what is the book that inspired you? And I remember getting this book and it was around Halloween. It was a little yellow book in, in my little school library. That was the, the little lost witch, I think is what it is. And I loved that book. And even after Halloween, I would check that out and check it out. And I remember thinking, gosh, I do this. And I had some incredible teachers that gave me the confidence that I, I really didn't get a lot of that at home. I had great teachers who showed me that, you know, no matter who you are, you can you can do this. And so my whole life, I knew I was going to do it. And I worked for nonprofits and and did medical development stuff. And so, you know, I was writing, but my name was never on it. It was stuff that, you know, was for an organization, but I always knew I was going to do it. And when I was 46, my husband said, Hey, Chris, when are you going to write that book? (laughs) And I quit my job. And a month later I was writing Lark Lovejoy. Oh my gosh. You do not look that old. No, seriously. Although I guess I'm 45, so I guess you would just be my age. But 46, I don't know. I'm like, you look like you're 36. But anyway. No, I'm 51. I'll be Oh my gosh. Wow. It took a while to get that. (laughs) To work through, you know, learning your craft and writing is, technical writing is different than fiction writing. Oh, I didn't know if you meant like the anti-aging or the writing. No, no, no. I'm just talking about, you know, it took a while, the years between 46 and, and now, so... Yeah, but still. But then also these books came out so close together, right? I mean, yeah, the publisher, I had already done the second one and the publisher thought since they were going to be part of a series, that that would be a good thing to give people, you know, the second one pretty quickly. And I I've had people message me and email me and say, when is, when is the next one coming out? I'm like, okay, you know, it's coming out 
in November. So that was really exciting to have people buy in so quickly. And are there, is there another one coming after this? There is. I just finished writing a book that is not in the series and I've parked that. I kind of do this. I park the draft and let it air out a little bit, work on another project, come back and do the edits so that, you know, you come back and you can see it a little differently. And so, yes, there is the, the next one is about a winemaker who's probably in her early, late fifties, early sixties, who actually inspired Lark to become a winemaker in the first book. And it had a a handsome Irishman. And it also has her daughter. She's, she had a terrible divorce and kind of lost her, just lost her, you know what, over it. And that's therapy didn't really help. And that's how she ended up in winemaking. And so she thinks she's going to reunite with her daughter when her daughter's going to come back and stay with her at the winery. And she doesn't know that the daughter is bringing her father with him, with her, who is recuperating after an accident. And so that's going to really give Natasha a chance to rehash the things that happened after her divorce. So, wow, that sounds great. (laughs) Tell me more about your friend with ALS. She was an incredible, her name was Lee. She was an incredible mom. She was smart and and funny and she was a volunteer and she did fabulous things for the junior league. She, she painted a mural at her children's school. And it wasn't finished when she was, when she got, when I say got sick, when her, her right side kind of went, her right arm paralyzed and she continued to paint it with her left. That's, that's how inspiring she was. I mean, she's just, I think about her all the time. And, and so it was in the first book. Also, we have a lot about, about our veterans too. And, and it's about PTSD and, but really Lark has PTSD from losing her husband and her, the male counterpart does from Afghanistan from an IED event. So, wow. Yeah. Did you do this to time? Did you time it to veterans day at all? Uh, no, that one came out in April and it was just, it came out when the publisher wanted it to come out. And no, so that yes. was, yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought you were saying in November, but no, this one comes out in November. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's this, this Oh, right. Yes. Out. I'm getting confused. I'm right. <laughs> no worries. Of course. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry about your friend. I have a friend with ALS as well, and I know how that goes, but it's been quite a while, you know? Yeah. But I just think all of this, when you witness things that happen, I mean, this sounds so obvious, but it's like every day it's like, well, I, you know, I have this day here, you know, I'm able-bodied today and I can get out and I can work and I can walk and I can do whatever. And so I have to go do this now, right? Because not everybody gets to do this today. Okay, we can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe, but we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use, so I got it, and now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you, and it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a 100 times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and It makes life better. 
It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life 360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. So I don't know. This morning I woke up and it was before, I knew my alarm clock was going to go, or my alarm on my phone was going to go off in like five minutes. And I laid there and I was thinking about all these things I need to do that don't have anything to do with writing plus this. And I, I thought about what you said when I interviewed you about when I said, how do you do it? And she said, because you said, because I don't have time. We don't have time. And, and I took that as you don't have time to waste. So get busy. And so this morning, I just want you to know, that's what got me out of bed this morning. Oh my gosh. Before my alarm. Cause I thought, you know what, what are you doing here? You, you don't have time go. So it is, it, it's, you know, every, every minute is, is precious and we need to use it. So. Oh, well, wow. Thank you. I love hearing these things. I don't have any memory at all of anything I say. So this is, it's always like, people are like, oh, remember when you told me this, that like, I was like, uh, no, I don't, but I'm delighted that that happened. <laughs> well, but you're inspiring people and you don't even know it. And, oh. and you are inspiring people every day. The things that, you know, I take little nuggets out of every one of your shows. You know, as a writer, you get you get writing nuggets, but then you also get, oh, uh, who did you interview that wrote Ghost? I listened to her this morning. Dolly you guys this morning. She was talking about her knickers. She kept saying yeah, knickers she was, and I walked I away. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to see underwear the same way again. They're knickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lot of fun. What you do, you know, you, you give people that venue to tell their stories. And that's what I was saying about Sissy. It's like her story is a, is a quiet story. And, you know, she says, Toward the end, she said something about, you know, I didn't, I didn't find my purpose in a college brochure or in my job. I found it in tons of little moments and a few big ones. And, and that's life. That's what we are. And, and your show does that. You, you give us a, a glimpse into people's lives. And I just think that's lovely what you do. Uh-oh. Thank you. That's so nice. This is the best podcast ever. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's authentic. I, Wait, I'm, so when, so what made you want to start interviewing people? And like, when did that start? You know, I've, I've got a background in communications and I've done all kinds of things. I mean, I've worked, worked for a hospice for two years with it. I mean, that's a whole other, I need to blog about that one these days, but I was, it, we were on COVID and I was preparing for that first book to come out in April of this last year. And they kept, my publicist was asking, you know, they were pushing me to blog and I was like, what am I going to blog about? My kids aren't here. My husband and I are here on lockdown. I've got this. It's it, most of the time it was it was my great Dane Sophie and I. So like, what do I say? I took Sophie out. I cleaned up the poop today. That's, that's pretty much it. I thought I don't have anything to blog about. And so I kept saying I was going to do a podcast. And Kristen Higgins said it's a lot of work. And I said, oh, I, I thought oh, interviewing people, I can do that. It is a lot of work. You know that, but it has been so fun. And I wish I would have done it sooner because when I was on lockdown, you know, I wasn't talking to anybody and this was so, it's so fun. It's so fun asking, asking the authors that you admire so much, the questions that you want to know. And 
And it's, it's just so fun. I could not agree more. <laughs> I can't believe you do it every day. I don't know how you do it every day. I don't know. Something I don't do very well. Perhaps this one. <laughs> no, you do great. So who are some other authors either coming up or who you've had or who are you excited about? I am interviewing Laura Lippman in a couple of weeks and I'm trying to think of who else. You know, I'm, I'm kind of starstruck right now. I'm trying to, trying to remember who all. I just interviewed my friend, Kristen Higgins actually, inspired me to do the podcast because when I was, when I knew I was kind of, I was going to do something writerly and she had always reminded us when we'd go to conferences and stuff. And I say us, because she'd always have like a little cubby of ducklings following her around. Cause she was such a great mentor and she, she still is, but she would say, there's plenty of room at the table. We're not in competition. There's plenty of room. People aren't going to write, read one book. They're going to read dozens of books, hundreds of books, hopefully. And so you know, she, besides her writing, I love her writing. I love what Bethany Crandall is doing. You know, she's pretty new and she's just so fresh and funny. She's so and funny. She is, a, and she has become, I would say she's become a dear friend of mine. I've, she and I text almost every day. She's, we'll send each other videos. She's so funny. Trish Doler, who wrote Float Plan. I think Float Plan, I interviewed her. I had not read Float Plan yet. And then that's the one video, the one interview that all the audio went wrong on and I could not salvage it. I had to do it again, but I did it after I read it. And it was so fun. And I'm actually meeting her next week and two other writers for just a little writing retreat in Florida for different days. So, you know, these, it's been really fun. It's been really fun. But let's see, you asked me about authors. Bethany, oh my gosh. Bethany Crandall, by the way, Bethany, um, Cran- Bethany Crandall. Yeah. I, I wrote her yesterday and I was like on Instagram and I was like, you have the best Instagram comments. Like she makes the best comments. I was like, you win like the Zibby award for the best Instagram comments. <laughs> they have to be a new category next year. Yeah, so that's what I said. New category. That's it. <laughs> well, she's just, you know, and she has so much on her plate and people don't realize like how much she, she does. She works. She has she has a daughter with special needs. She has another daughter. You know, she's got a, a life and two dogs. And I mean, she just, you just, you never know. Kind of goes back to the sissy thing. You never know what people's stories are, what their real stories are. Yeah, and it's true. that's what podcasts are fun because you find out what, what, you know, people think that writers look like Diane Keaton, you know, at the Hamptons in her big white bedroom and office. And we just sit there and write and drink champagne and, and wait for, the checks to come in. And that's it's so not anything like that, but we have to, it's in our DNA, we have to. And so it's, it's really great to get to talk to those authors that you love and find out what their story is. And, and, you know, what their, as Kristen Higgins taught me when I started writing is find out what their wound is. And you will, you'll have so much, such an easier time writing the book when you know what that character's wound is, because our wounds affect the way we see everything. And so, you know, I think about like these, when I was in grad school, I took gender calm and one of my professors was talking about something, I'm going to probably butcher this, but something about standpoint theory, where the way you see the world is everything, you know, where your feet are right now, it's everything that came before that. But when I see you in this beautiful, you know, I see your beautiful office with all the color, colorful books and everything, I could assume that all kinds of things about you. But knowing your story tells me, you know, gives me insight into your heart and and your social consciousness and why you do what you do. And so I just think it's interesting. I love getting to know people and I love taking those, those 
you know, how authors can take those little stories and just break them apart and, and show us that we're not alone. You know, our readers are not alone in the world. They they have some some similarity that relates back to, you know, hopefully it's a, a character that broke out and is a hero in some way. So anyway, I love that. I, don't, I didn't answer your question. Sorry. It doesn't I'm matter. Kidding. I loved it. I love what we're talking about because I could not agree more. I mean, I never get tired of hearing people's stories ever. Like if I ever say to someone, like, what's your story? Like, how did you start writing? Like, what how, what is your story? It's endlessly fascinating to me to figure out the backstory of everybody. Because you're right, people, you know, you present as one thing and, and nobody knows. No, and you know, it's funny because I have a, one of the, one of the things that I, I, I don't know if I should even bring this up, but one of the things that I, that inspired me about the Sissy book is that I have my, one of my very, very, I mean, very best friend from the time we were nine. And we kind of got estranged a little bit in high school and she was part of a fundamentalist religion and she got married and pregnant at a young age. I think she had her son at 18. And I was just like, why? I don't get that. Like, <laughs> you are so smart. You have all this potential. What do you, and I was, and I was so judgy about it. And in the book, Sissy's best friend, Della is, is judgy. I, I was never I was never as bitchy as, De- as Della. I thought, I hope not because we're, <laughs> we're best friends to this day, but, but I didn't understand in, in the marriage did not last long. And it was, it was kind of a, it was a traumatic thing for her and her son, but her son has grown and, and just such a fine young man now. And she's remarried and so happy. And, and in a way I, I told her when I wrote this and I gave her one of the arcs, I said, you know, this is kind of my, my homage to you and a love story to you because it is not her story. It is nothing like her story, but except that she got married and, and pregnant young, but that, you know, we judge and it's easy to judge from the outside. And so, you know, when you really dissect it, you find out that there were, there were plenty of reasons, good reasons why she did what she did at the time. And that's, you know, that's all we can do is make our best decisions at the time that there we're facing them. So, so true. I really, you know, Marissa, if you're there, that's to you. <laughs> oh, she's dedication. After dedication. the fact, dedication. Dedicate. Well, she's she was in the de- she's been in both dedications. So <laughs> dedication that I was up for a Zivi Award. Um, yes, of course. Knows all my secrets and loves me. Yes, anyway. I <laughs> loved that. I totally loved that. Yes. that in, I think that was in the other book, though. Yeah, not this one. I do have your other book too. Uh, Well, anyway, (laughs) as I flip to this dedication, advice for aspiring authors. You know, I would say, understand that you are writing fiction. If you're writing fiction, you're writing fiction and you think, and I went into it thinking I was writing about other people and I didn't really want to be a part. I didn't want to expose my life and in time, first hone your craft but also know, have that, have that sense in the back of your mind that you are going to unveil some of yourself because otherwise the work isn't going to come across as authentic. It comes from you. It comes, you know, you're, you're not telling your story, but you're telling a story through your filter. And so it's hard to, it's real. I don't know that I'm doing it justice. It's hard to explain, but you know, I think I, like, I didn't want to blog about myself. And I've done a couple essays on medium for moms don't have time to write. And it's made me open up and think about how I want to, you know, things that stories I should be sharing because I'm, I write fiction, but there are stories that are meaningful that, that could be shared just like the essays. And so 
I think that's one thing writers need to realize is that if you're writing fiction, go ahead and write stories. Don't show them to anybody if you don't want to, but write stories about yourself, write stories about the traumatic, horrible things, because in those things, you're going to find threads that you can put in your fiction that are going to mean, be very meaningful to other people, to readers. That's great advice. That's great. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on and all the compliments. (laughs) Thanks for sharing Sissy with us and your great writing and all the rest. And so thank you. And the interviewing and, you know, our shared love of authors. (laughs) Well, thank you. I want to, at some point, I want to, you need to put this out. I want to have you back on to talk about like, you know, as I was talking about new writers should be doing more essays and stuff. I'd like to talk about like, not the essays for your books, but the essays for like medium and things to try to encourage writers to, yes, they should do that as a, as a vehicle to kind of get started. And, you know, they're not all going to get published, but you know, maybe, maybe Maybe. you never know. There you go. That's a great idea. Thank you for that. Sure. Sure. When things slow down, you guys, Okay. All right. When that happens. I tell you the day after your book comes out. (laughs) I know. Sorry if I'm a little scattered today. No, no, you are, you are so on the ball. I don't know how, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what drug you take to stay so focused with all you have. You are amazing. I don't take a focus drug. I know. I know you don't. (laughs) I should. I have. Probably well, maybe them. you should have them study you and and make that for the rest of us. <laughs> oh man! Well, well, I hope you get a vacation soon. I hope you get Thank a great you. vacation. No, yeah. I don't need. To, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all good. This is all so exciting that it just keeps propelling me forward. So I'm good. Well, you are a lovely, lovely human, and what you do for for authors is just amazing. So thank you for championing our stories. Yeah, and Sissy Clients. While we're at it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Bye, Bye, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 